0: Hello and welcome to the Political Party Daily. This episode features the leader of the SDLP, Colm Eastwood, who I interviewed in his office at Stormont, which in itself was an amazing experience to go to Northern Ireland and go to this building I'd never been before. This amazing building on a hill, beautiful, symmetrical views down into Belfast. And uh, obviously a tragedy that this amazing place isn't being used properly at the moment. But I talked to Conor about so many things about Northern Irish politics, but began by asking him about the results of the last election when the SDLP lost its three Westminster seats and whether it was oversimplistic to say that they'd been squeezed out by the DUP in Sinn Féin. Uh,
1: No, that's about right. What happened the last time was Stormont had collapsed Uh, The politics here was very, very poisonous, as if it it, it ever isn't, but it was particularly bad at that stage. There was a real mood within nationalism to punish the DUP and it was kind of felt at that stage that the best way to do that was to vote for Sinn Féin and that that was the strongest vote against the DUP. Now We argued against that and actually what it ended up doing was facilitating the DUP to be basically on their own uh, representing us in, in Westminster. Um, but that was largely what happened. Uh, things very, very polarised. There was very little cross-community voting, high turnout, but mostly kind of the DUP got a huge vote, Sinn Féin got a huge vote, and everybody else was was basically squeezed. I, I think all of that is settled. Uh, there's a different kind of polarised politics now, but it, it isn't quite um, as raw as it was. Um, and I think people now are, are thinking more about Brexit uh, and how that impacts in terms of this election.
0: And in terms of the Brexit effect on the politics of Northern Ireland and those, those traditional relationships between uh, Unionist parties and their, and their voters and Nationalist parties and their voters, does Brexit reinforce those old divides or does it challenge them?
1: Uh, it, it, it probably mostly reinforces them and challenges them in some other ways because there are people within Unionism, for example, or traditionally from within Unionism, who are now moving uh, away from... Traditional unionist parties because they don't understand, particularly with the DUP, how they can be so vociferous in their support for a Brexit that, that those voters just don't understand and why why that would be good for them. They can't they can't uh, recognise. So there's a bit of that, um, but the most the, the biggest thing that it's done the biggest impact has been to kind of create a big big difficulty within the communities because the Good Friday Agreement. If you think about it the whole point of that was to take barriers away. So take barriers away within the community, uh, barriers across the island, barriers between our islands and now we have a a Brexit that could put more and more barriers back up again. In a very simplistic way, that has shaken the, 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 the fundamentals that underpin the peace process and the political progress that we've made. So all of that then reinserts the constitutional issue back into our politics which divides us again. So it stops us actually having a grown up democratic conversation about the future, which we're going to have to have. Instead, it, it drags us into this kind of unstable place where, um, well, common sense doesn't really feature uh, and it creates
0: more and more division. I mean, I'm asking you to, to, to maybe get inside the heads of your opponents here, but do you think Brexit has, maybe in the way that it has in Scotland, perhaps challenged people who would traditionally see themselves as unionists, challenged what they thought the UK was? I, I think it has. Uh, I, th- I think the UK looks very different now,
1: um, post the, the, the Brexit referendum. Uh, I also think, uh, once again, as has happened many, many times over the past hundred years, uh, unionist people will be feeling let down by the British government, uh, where the DUP kind of offered them the, the British government full support uh, and were fully bought in. Uh, when we all knew they were going to be let down, Then they were let down, and there's a betrayal and all of this, where it was all very obvious. Uh, I think it has been a problem of leadership within the unionist community, particularly based around the DUP, that they have failed to be honest with their their people as to where this is going to go. Uh, They failed to see, actually, that Brexit undermines their own core position, because it does not help the union. (laughs) If Brexit does anything, it undermines the union, um, and you may think that someone like me would like to see that and obviously I don't want I want to move away from the union um, but I don't believe in kind of breaking everything on the way out the door so I, 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 I wonder uh, though how the DUP could champion <laughs> Brexit and then cling on to it even when it was falling apart uh, from their perspective uh, and expect anything other than, than being let down by Boris Johnson uh, you know, and it, it, it was, we were screaming it at them. This wasn't, you know, if we find ourselves as Irish nationalists kind of offering advice to, to the DUP about the union, and which is a pretty strange place for us to be, but uh, they clearly didn't listen. Um, and now they're in this stage where it's everybody else's fault. And, but they're, of course, they're very good at whipping up tension. I mean, about uh, four weeks ago, when the DUP had, had seemingly signed up to the two borders proposal uh, uh you know people were accusing them within loyalism of selling the union down the river and betraying them and now some of those same people are putting up their posters um because it's what people do here and election is called the flags go up and we and we go back into our trenches um so but there are signs i think beyond that that people are beginning to see uh that there's another way um we'll see how far that goes but there are lots of parties now offering a less strident approach uh, on those on those on that constitutional issue, uh, and I think that will help
0: uh, ease tensions in the longer term. Does it feel different to you this this election to the last one? Or are you getting a different reaction on the doorstep? Are, are people's opinions shifting in your favour?
1: Yes, it's totally different. Um, Brexit is the overriding issue. Um, Brexit plus the implications flowing from the fact that Stormont isn't sitting. So the last Westminster election kind of happened more or less just in the wake of, of Stormont collapsing and all of the anger as to why it collapsed was there. I don't think people had fully grasped what the impact of Stormont collapsing would be on the health service, on the economy, on the, the, the school budgets. And now they see all of that and they're frustrated with that. So they're more frustrated that Stormont isn't there than about the reasons that it supposedly collapsed over. Uh, which I think is beginning to bite a bit for for the DUP and Sinn Féin. Um, But I I think more than anything, people are angry that Brexit's happening to them. Of course, they voted to remain. Uh, The pro-EU position has got stronger since the referendum, and they feel kind of powerless in all of that. So what we had in the last parliament was 10 DUP MPs, seven Sinn Féin MPs, but who didn't go? And then Lydia Sylvia Herrmann, who was kind of fighting a lone fight and very, very well. Now she's retiring. So uh, within nationalism, I think people are getting to the realization that actually abstentionism isn't a luxury that we can afford when decisions about our future that affect us more than anywhere else are being taken in Westminster. I mean, as much as we all get that it's a circus and it's chaotic and it's, it's not somewhere we've any love for, they're making the decisions. I mean, the circus is in charge and, and I think we need to be there, yes. you know, uh, and our votes could count. Even if they don't count, our voice will be heard uh, by being there and I think that makes an impact. So I, I think all of those issues combined, uh, I think people just feel, 50 years after the civil rights movement, which was actually mostly about making sure that our votes all counted equally, people now feel that their votes don't count for anything because... They've elected people to Stormont, and there is no Stormont. Uh, They they elect people to Westminster, and either the DUP go and misrepresent this or Sinn Féin don't represent this at all.
0: You've stood aside in North Belfast, East Belfast and North Down to allow Sinn Féin effectively a clear run at those seats. Well,
1: Sinn Féin would get a clear run or a clear-ish run in North Belfast. The other seats, uh, East Belfast, were standing aside in favour of Naomi Long, of the Alliance Party. And in North Down, we stood aside, hoping Sylvia Herrmann would run. Um, but she hasn't run, she's an independent unionist. So, uh, but we, we would like to see the Alliance Party win that seat as well, if possible.
0: Just in the way that you, you fight Sinn Féin, I understand the argument against the DUP, mm. but then I suppose you and Sinn Féin have a similar offer in terms of your, your principles, in terms of believing in a United Ireland. Mm. You have different views on how to get there, and obviously historic, profound differences. Pretty big, this, yeah. Um, yeah. In this post-Good Friday world, even with the backdrop of Stormont, even with the backdrop of uh, Brexit, is the most effective attack line you have against Sinn Féin, actually, this idea that they don't turn up? Uh, yes, uh,
1: particularly in, in this election. Um, uh, I think now there are, are seats where we, we will do OK, but we won't threaten Sinn Féin, if you know what I mean. We're not going to win the seat. Uh, in other places like my own constituency in Foyle and Derry City, um, that is the big issue because people understand that. Well, yes, my opponent in Sinn Féin will shout about Brexit and she'll oppose it, but I will actually go and vote against it and try and stop it. Uh, so I think that that is the defining issue in that particular place. Now we stood aside in North Belfast for Sinn Féin not because we love Sinn Féin, <laughs> or not because you know we think they're going to do a great job, but we basically think it's better to have a Sinn Féin MP sitting in their house than. Nigel Dodds of the DUP sitting in the House of Commons because we've seen how toxic the the, the influence of the DUP has been uh, in the last two or three years, over the last two or three years in Westminster. So it's a very, very tactical um, consideration uh, as part of a broader strategy to get as many Remainers into Parliament and take as many Brexiteers out. Largely because people here don't want to leave the EU. And I think it it has been totally skewed in terms of the public mind and in, in, in England in particular as to what the view was from Northern Ireland. Yes. Because the DUP, you know, have been rightly ridiculed by you know uh, the media in, in in England, and that's good. But it uh, it kind of it, it's a bit embarrassing for the rest of us who voted the right way and our from our view on Brexit and to see the DUP there as the only people speaking for us. So and I do think people get that now.
0: The relationship between the SDLP and and Sinn Féin, I remember around 2015 there was talk of some sort of pact that never really fully materialised. Obviously, this Remain alliance of sorts Mm. is a version of that. Do you foresee any future, even in the short to medium term, where maybe there's a more formal agreement?
1: (laughs) No, not at all. Uh, Look, we're different political parties with different histories. Um, We have a very different political culture. Uh, We would see ourselves very... Proud social democrats and actual democrats. I mean, Sinn Féin had a leadership election where there was no hustings, where there were no debates, uh, where the the challenger did no public interviews, where the the actual final result of the the election, the internal election, had to be basically dragged out of them. Uh, They come from a very different place uh, to us, uh, and, and we have a proud history coming out of the civil rights movement and and all of that, and a proud history and bringing about the Good Friday Agreement and always supporting peaceful means. And I think we have a different future as well. Um, the, we never did kind of sectarian pacts, as people call them. We never did, you know, nationalism v. unionism. Uh, but in this case, we just felt, and we didn't do an arrangement with Sinn Féin. We did it unilaterally. People will believe that or not, but I think they were more surprised than anybody that we'd done it. Um, and then they followed suit. We've done this genuinely out of concern for the Brexit position because we can see how badly this can go and we've tried to to make sure we can maximise the pro-remain voice in Westminster.
0: In the past, StL... SDLP uh, MPs have taken the Labour Party whip in Westminster, and you're standing in foil, which only needs a 0.016% swing in order to win it.
1: 169 um, votes, in it's impressive.
0: One of the most marginal seats mm. uh, in Westminster. If you were elected, if other SDLP candidates were elected, would you take the Labour Party whip again? Well,
1: what we've always done is we've voted our own way, um, and that happened, Labour Party, our sister party, um, that largely happened to you know go along with what Labour were doing. Um, and we cooperate with Labour, also work with SNP and the Greens and others, you know. Um, but, of course, we voted against, you know, we voted against Tony Blair quite a bit uh, on the uh, Iraq war and other issues. Uh, and, you know, we, we, we don't want Boris Johnson to be Prime Minister and we'll vote accordingly on that. But there's no blank check. Uh, and if our votes are crucial, um, then I think we will make the most of that. You know, we will try to protect people here. Number one, she'll be around a second referendum, and we're glad to see the Labour uh, manifesto uh, in regard to that. Um, but there will be you know, ongoing concern for people's welfare here, and we will continue to, um, to represent the people as we see fit, not as anybody else decides. You know?
0: A lot of the conversation around Jeremy Corbyn has often focused on his relationship with... Northern Ireland and Ireland, mm. and views that he uh, may have held in the past, relationships he may have had in the past, and opinions he may still hold now. Mm. As a Labour person, mm. as a Social Democrat, do you feel comfortable with his history on the island of Ireland? Well,
1: yeah, you know, um, like, I suppose we had a slightly different approach to his during during the, the years of the, the conflict. Um but I, I get on very well with Jeremy, actually, and I don't, I don't, I don't ever find any big conflict in terms of our, the positioning. Uh, he supports the Good Friday Agreement. He, he has, I suppose, tried to encourage people to get to the right place, he would say, um, and we're all in a different space now. Um, so, you know, what's important is the future. It's about protecting the Good Friday Agreement, trying to get the institutions here back up and running and all of that. And everything I've heard from Jeremy, Jeremy, in regard to all that, you know, has been positive. So, you know, I I, I don't think he's the bogeyman that, that many people would
0: have him out to be. But do your members have concerns about it? and Do any of them say, like, he was a bit too close to Sinn Féin at a difficult time and we want to distance ourselves from that
1: well, you know, as
0: a, as a look?
1: Everything in Northern Ireland and Ireland generally is, is connected to some historical viewpoint or other. I mean, everything is about the past in a lot of ways. So obviously there's a bit of that, but um, what we want to see is a Labour government. Uh, yeah, I think it would be good to see a Labour coalition government, uh, see the SNP in there. I mean, and I think there is a there is a chance that that could happen, and 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 we use our votes accordingly, you know. But uh, I do think we are in a very fluid political political moment right across these islands. Uh, I think. Everything is fluid, including the Constitution. Uh, and, 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 and let's see where that goes. All I would say is that we'll always vote to try and lock uh, Boris Johnson out of, out of, out of uh, Downing Street. Um, but we will also always take our own counsel and, and we have our own whip. And, and that's how we'll, we, we, we play it. Um, and our first duty is to the people who elect us, not anybody else.
0: You mentioned earlier the two borders issue, part of Boris Johnson's mm. uh, new Brexit deal. Uh, part of that suggestion seems to be that Stormont would have a vote on a regular basis about whether to keep that arrangement going. Mm. Stormont hasn't met for a few years now. I mean, the likelihood of that... Do you, do you get a sense here that people would be keen? Is that part of the deal that they like? Would well, it be possible?
1: No. Well, we didn't think it was a good idea in the first place. Now, The original proposals were basically to give... The, which would have, They would have given the DUP a veto uh the current proposals don't do that which i think is positive and it's in and of itself but i don't actually believe that um the northern ireland assembly as unstable as it is uh, even if it wasn't that unstable should have any kind of a a veto power over what happens between uh, a sovereign state and you know the european union it's a bit it's stretching it a bit to say that that uh, is worth doing um the biggest problem I have is the impact that all of this may have on us anyway um, you know, we were prepared to support uh, Theresa May's deal because we felt that that was the least cumbersome for business it avoided borders anywhere really, a few checks uh, on, on animals but not much more than that I, I think this deal is worse than that uh, and I think it, it'll it be very very difficult to get it uh, in a hung parliament situation to get it through the House of Commons Um for good and understandable reasons. So we're not supportive of it. Uh, It does one thing in that it stops the border in in Ireland, which is good, Um, but I'm just not sure how deliverable it is beyond that.
0: Do you get a sense... um, I'm aware that the party feels like it's been sidelined, not just Northern Ireland's been sidelined, but the SDLP haven't perhaps had the voice you would have liked in a lot of these processes and and discussions. But do you get a sense?
1: I'm not sure what's... I mean, I, I think
0: yes, in terms of... The London
1: debate and the London discussion, and and not just us, but that voice has been missing. Uh, and 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 it's it's interesting now. There's a lot of focus from journalists on Northern Ireland now. Uh, some of that was missing before the before the referendum and and even shortly after. But we we worked through the Irish government. Um, we worked through our, our contacts in Europe, and we got a lot of support there. They recognised the border issue and the implications that it could have, and were sort of front and centre in protecting people in Northern Ireland and we along with others did a lot of work to make sure that that was the case Um, it took an awful long time for that to filter through in London which was a bit bizarre given the fact they're supposed to be running the place
0: Do you think Theresa May, Boris Johnson, either of them fully appreciate the different politics here? Boris Johnson
1: hasn't got a clue Um, that's just a reality Uh, Theresa May got there in the end Uh, she definitely came to understand it better um, and was a very different kind of character. Boris Johnson does not have a notion as to what goes on here. Uh, I think that is patently obvious and uh, everything he's done and said, and I don't think he cares, frankly. Um, and I'm just so surprised at the DUP, uh,
0: who were so taken in by him. I mean, I wouldn't want to put words in your mouth, but I've been fascinated by how they appear this government has appeared so ignorant to the politics of Ireland, mm. given how it has shaped so much of, obviously, the politics here, but our national conversation as a United Kingdom, oh, in that in the, in the, we're a similar age, how they couldn't appreciate the, 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 the tensions here, the, the effect of those policies, the language they use, the things that Karen Bradley said. Even to a layperson, to the average member of the British public, this government has said things that have astonished people. I mean, how has it been received here?
1: Well, it was absolutely astounding the way that this government have had just no understanding and seemingly no institutional memory. You know, it's only 21 years since the Good Friday Agreement, but yet they were prepared to just drive coach and horses through it for some small political point uh, that happened to be the political issue of the day in London and just forgetting all of the impact that any those small things can have here. I mean, even doing a deal with the DUP in the first place... I mean, it just goes against everything uh, that the Good Friday Agreement was about. But they don't care. uh, They didn't understand, and they don't care. Now, I have to say, the the new Secretary of State, Julian Smith, is somebody who has read himself in very quickly. He gets it. Uh, He's prepared to to listen. And and obviously he's coming from the British government's point of view. But he's a different kind of person. Uh, We'll see... See, well, he's still in post after the election. I hope he is. Uh, if the Tories are in post, i much prepared. A Labour person was there, but I, I think, uh, I just think the the recklessness with which they've uh, treated our peace process—never mind anything else—the fact that they couldn't understand that it wasn't going to be okay to put border infrastructure in Ireland—that you know they just couldn't get that—that that, you know the Irish government or the European Union. Had more of an investment in the peace process than they did. Like, maybe we shouldn't have been surprised. and not really surprised, um, but uh, it is it is it's just extremely strange that they had done taken no, no time or put no effort into figuring out this may have an impact here, um, and just thought actually that the Irish government would roll over, the Europeans would roll over, um, but they didn't understand that they were never going to leave us. Uh, kind of
0: Get started today at plushcare.com slash loss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. plushcare.com slash loss. You have a partnership with Finnafale in, in Ireland. Yeah. Um, what are the terms of the partnership? What does it involve? Well, it's a kind of a long-term policy partnership. So I suppose what we
1: all recognise from the Brexit implications and, and the referendum and all that we've seen is that The constitutional sands are shifting, uh, that we have to think beyond um, the next year or two, that we have to begin to think, how is this country going to be governed over the longer term? And those of us who want to see change have to prepare. So what we're engaged in is preparing the ground, um, developing policies on the economy, the health service, education system, that can kind of uh, come together as one policy across the island and that's what we're doing. When others, Sinn Féin, are standing at the back of lorries shouting slogans, we think it's important you actually get in and do the hard graft and do the work and begin to find a way of fully reconciling the people of this uh, this, this island and, and that's what we're doing. It's not kind of up lights, but it is slow, steady, boring at times, but policy work and, and, and that will lead where it leads. Um, it may lead to more um, integration politically, but right now it's about uh, kind of creating a policy platform and framework that we can use get into future elections and maybe a- into a, a big, broader conversation about the future of this country.
0: Some members, that were around 30% of them, wanted it to include Fine Gael and, and the Labour Party in Ireland. Why did you think that was not the right move?
1: Well, it, it has always been our traditional approach to you know, work with all the political parties in the South, and that has uh, been the right approach up to now. Uh, it was very, very important during the, the Troubles to kind of make sure that we had the Irish government on side, no matter who they were, um, but things have changed, you know, and our fortunes have dipped, and uh, it's a long time since we were the largest party within nationalism in the North, and we have to begin to think um, politically as well, and that actually if you have uh, good, strong influence with one political party who will be in government at some point, uh, that that also actually impacts with the other political parties as well and that you have to build your own political base as much as just a kind of an ideological or, or, or policy base so that's where we're going and uh, actually the fact that 70% of people supported that uh, was a big thing yes. um, and maybe, maybe bigger than most people would have expected but you know, in, in every political party, you don't agree with every decision, and that's that's life, and um, we move on.
0: Seems like a refreshingly pragmatic approach to take. I mean, is this the way you talk? Do you think well, maybe the SDLP might not exist? Have you become a pressure group and not a political party?
1: Uh, no, I think we we, we had to get back to becoming more of a political party than a pressure <laughs> group, actually, <laughs> and 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 that's that's important. Um, we put so much on the line for the peace process yes. and actually probably put the party on the line for the right reasons and, and, and it was the right thing to do. But we have to think now strategically and politically as to how do we create uh, a route for ourselves? Because we believe that actually if we do well, the, the country does well. Um, that sounds grandiose, but it, it, I think it's true um, that if we can inject our ideas, our thinking, our philosophy into a major political party in the republic, who will be in and around government, you know, for the for the foreseeable future, uh, and I think that's a good thing um, for us. But it's also a good thing for the people, and it, it injects kind of uh, to a much higher level and a much deeper level as well the thinking of the SDLP, but not just the SDLP, the thinking of Northern people mm-hmm. into the political establishment in the South. I think that is a positive thing and in the long term it will reap reward, rewards.
0: Brexit is potentially a huge opportunity for, for the goal you would like to see. I mean, do you think it makes the United Ireland more likely? I think it does, absolutely. Um,
1: I mean, I don't believe in think that we should think it's inevitable. I, I think what it has done is it started the conversation. It has made the conversation inevitable. It's made some sort of a process inevitable. It doesn't make the result inevitable, and that's what I worry. The difference between, I think, in this moment between ourselves and Sinn Féin is that Sinn Féin just want a border poll, just want the referendum. Um, and we've tried to caution against calling the date of a referendum when you haven't got the work done. Uh, there's an awful lot of work to do in the North to convince people from a traditionally unionist background that they're going to be safe in the United Ireland, that uh, their views will be accommodated, that actually it's a good idea economically and all of that. But not just that; we have to convince people in the south that, uh, whilst they all theoretically support it, you know that it can be economically beneficial to them. That we won't be an economic basket case. That we won't be fighting about the Irish language. We won't be sort of having this constant culture war. That it's that it's comfortable enough for them. And I think those of us with a nationalism have to, yes, recognise the massive opportunity we have, but not squander it. Uh, and recognise it's a responsibility because we've never had this opportunity before to get it right. And I would just caution people to get it right, to do the hard work, get it right, and bring people with us, and then have the border poll and then win it. You know, I only want one border poll and it's a successful one. I don't want one and then have to go back again, and again, and again. That just destabilises things here. Um, there's a very positive offering to be made, but you just have to get it right. And I think some others. Uh,
0: are using it for political means for every election rather than actually beginning the real work. Brexit may be one of the catalysts. I wonder how much the changing nature of the conversation in Scotland has affected people here. Does it make it feel more realistic? Well, put it this way, there are two
1: very different conversations. Um, if Scotland goes independent, it'll absolutely change the position here. Because you have to remember that most people from a, a Protestant background Most of them are from, uh, their connection is through Scotland. It's not to London, it's to Scotland uh, and the north of England, but it's largely to Scotland. Um, The Ulster Scots tradition is very strong. Um, And I think if you can prove that the Scottish can have independence, uh, but that nobody dies, (laughs) you know, the (laughs) the link remains, the cultural link remains, the political link could remain through the European Union. that that just changes the conversation here and I think will allow people to think that maybe it's not the worst thing in the world and we have to though make uh, those people who you know if you look at demographics and everything else if you're from a unionist perspective you know your opportunity is shrinking so we have to make them feel comfortable make them feel part of it not shout slogans at them, uh, and not beat drums and not wave flags. It's about making them. It's about creating a new kind of country that they will have a massive, massive role in, uh, and that we can still have our cultural, historical, familial links across these islands. I think the best route to doing that is through the European Union. But uh, so you know, but I think the Scottish independence, if it happens, will have much more impact than anything else you could imagine, um, because of that connection to here.
0: In terms of here, where we sit today in Stormont, hasn't met for years, mm. um, that in itself is a political crisis, pre-Brexit. It's a massive crisis. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, it was something that was coming for perhaps quite some time. What hope do you have for this institution, that it can get back up and running and be an effective place for, for the people of Northern Ireland?
1: Well, when you're in politics in Northern Ireland, you always have to uh, <laughs> sort of walk and hope. But it's, uh, it's difficult. It's very difficult. Um, we created these political institutions that were probably created with more moderate forces in mind. And then uh, the DUP and Sinn Féin, so there were some changes made to the institutions. The DUP and Sinn Féin took over as the largest parties, and forgot, I think, that you have to compromise every day, that power sharing is a bit of spirit, not just a structure. And we've lost that sort of tradition of honourable compromise, and we're just fighting with each other over over issues that are, yes, important, but they're not as important as a health service, and I worry that we've forgotten that. Uh, there there may be a window of opportunity after this election if, if, if the DUP and Sinn Féin feel some pain um, for not being in government but I'm not sure uh, I think part of this is about them avoiding very difficult decisions you know, there is a crisis in our health service there's a crisis in our education system there's a crisis in our economy uh, we're, in a, we're about to go to the cliff on, on welfare so uh, I wonder if they've got the leadership capacity to go in
0: and make tough decisions um, but again that's why we're elected about the spirit of compromise, I wonder whether, as well as Brexit and all the other political issues, whether this is a generational thing, whether the, the generation that were personally invested in the Belfast Agreement, the, the Good Friday Agreement, some of them have passed on,
1: yeah. and
0: whether, whether that's a big part of it.
1: I, I think it is actually, um, because they understood the, the consequences of not compromising. Uh, they made the biggest step. Now some of them were involved in creating the problem, but <laughs> they, they did make the they made the biggest move forward and took the biggest leap. And I think maybe our generation is comfortable in that it you know, the people aren't largely being shot in the street and very few bombs and all of that. Uh and the further you get away from the sustained campaign of violence, the maybe less kind of real it is. But it is real. And uh um I think we just have to remember how hard it was to get to this point, and I mean, it, it may, we may need to look at, at, at how we do things differently, of course we do, but uh, in the short term we need to get back to government, and even like if, if I was in Sinn Féin I would be thinking, well if, if we really want to see United Ireland, the best route right now is stability, is to calm things, to make unionism feel comfortable, to make people in the south feel comfortable, that we won't be a basket case. Uh, I, I think the culture war approach has actually undermined the constitutional objective um, never mind just undermined the everyday public services that people rely upon so in all ways uh, this stalemate is bad
0: um, so maybe they'll get some strategy around that soon One of the people that made this possible and was rewarded with the peace prize was John Hume mm. uh, the most famous of all the STLP leaders do, do, is he a an act, do you think, uh, a figure that, that it's hard to live up to? No, it's, it's impossible. <laughs> uh, it's, it's not even something
1: I would try. Uh, you know, John's from, from Derry. I was in and out of his constituency office since I was a teenager. Uh, somebody that we're all very, very proud of and look up to and uh, at times hero worship. But uh, the impact that John had on this place was immeasurable. I mean, the ideas that underpin the Good Friday Agreement John was writing about them in the Aries Times in 1965, you know, this is how far back this thinking went he recognised that this wasn't just sort of a, some communal difficulty between Catholics and Protestants it was actually about two nations and the only way to solve it was when two nations solved it together along with the community and international help, he did massive work in Europe massive work in America I mean, we don't have long enough to talk about uh, to, to, to properly extol the virtues of John, and uh, you know <laughs> it's impossible to live up to, to, to that legacy, but we're in different times, um, you need different approaches at different times, and uh, I don't know John would enter politics now, <laughs> but he was a man of the moment, and, and, and at the right moment he was a leader in the civil rights movement and you know, helping form the SDLP and all the things that he did. And it was of its time, uh, and we need to get more normalised here, and hopefully uh, that, that, maybe that needs a different kind of politics.
0: It was a huge figure. I, I just remember how hopeful it made me at the time. I saw, I'm 37 years old, we're a similar age, we're a similar generation. I can't imagine how inspirational it would have been for you being here.
1: It was uh, uh, immense, you know, John, but all the people that were with him, Seamus Marlin and the rest of them, who, who really gave up so much. And, and, and you have to remember, when people were running around with guns on and balaclavas, the sdlp doesn't have anything they had no guns no balaclavas <laughs> but we're still living in the middle of it uh, making arguments fighting with british governments and paramilitaries you know standing up to p- police brutality and army brutality and paramilitary brutality on the streets in the moment living in the community getting attacked all getting threatened all those things and their families I mean that took courage, and not just from people like John, but right down to like local councillors and activists who, who, who stood up to violence no matter where they found it, and stood up against discrimination no matter where they found it. That I think uh, took real guts, and as part of the story of just the ordinary people who who, who didn't kind of uh, take up arms, uh, that I think isn't told enough. Sometimes when we talk about this story, we talk about two sides as if they were. The, I mean. The people who were involved in paramilitarism or the state were a m- tiny, tiny minority compared to what ordinary people uh, did. Who were just who 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 had no truck whatsoever with it. So, uh, I think it takes an awful lot to st- in the middle of a war, really, to to stand by your principles, speak them loudly, but do it without a weapon. That 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 is inspiring, and uh, I think it's left a great legacy for, for, for us and for 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 the country.
0: Every party leader going into a general election has uh expectations uh has, has pressure secret, on the secret expectations yeah i mean do you, do you do you feel the pressure of leadership at the moment do you, do you feel the result will dis, you know determine whether you stay on or not look
1: yeah it probably will but the 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 uh this is my sixth election and then a, six, six elections and a referendum since i took over leadership Four years ago, at a time when we actually <laughs> thought we were going to go into a rebuilding phase where we would have lots of time and then uh, and no elections. But look, that's what the job is. Uh, I'm kind of used to it now. The uh, pressure comes, but I mean, I, we just keep doing what we're doing and doing trying to do the right thing. And I, I actually think we'd
0: be rewarded this time.
1: Do you have a threshold in mind? Do you think? Yes. Well,
0: if I don't achieve this, then I I have a uh, threshold in mind.
1: It's a sec- it's a secret threshold. I, I tend not to. Make predictions. I mean, we're obviously in the mix and in probably three seats uh, right now. We have none, so it's hard to figure out what what victory is. But um, we'd be very
0: very happy if we can make a couple of seats. But you're so young for a party leader. It would be, would you, it would feel a shame if you were unable to continue after this election. Uh, well, well,
1: all I'm thinking about uh, the only uh, I'm thinking about the period between now and ten o'clock on the twelfth of uh, December. <laughs> everything after that is well we'll decide then um but i i think we will do well enough uh, i think we will capture back some seats and i think i i think people will be better for it just because we will have a voice in, in a place in, in a place that we don't like <laughs> but a place that is, is is kind of at the center of all of this brexit chaos and it's much better to have people there than not so we, we'll see um what that brings and if it if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, but uh, I, I, I'm doing this long off now to realise that you just have to uh, take each challenge as it comes. There'll be another one in the new
0: year, I'm sure. Elections can be uh, stressful at the best of times anyway. People have mm. harsh contentions in every part of the world. There can be a perception sometimes away from here that politics in Northern Ireland looks very heavy and very serious. Does it manage to have lighter moments during campaigns?
1: uh, Look, it's serious, obviously, and everything we do can be serious. (laughs) But uh, the one great thing about politics here is that people have a sense of of humour. And I remember uh, a mentor of mine, uh, one of those people we were talking about earlier, who who was a local representative for the SDLP. But I remember him saying, when I went into council first, in Derry City Council, I said, Fight like mad in the chamber, but you know, don't be afraid to go for a pint with them afterwards. You know, and that that uh, that kind of philosophy of being able to talk to people on a human level and have have a bit of crack with them, uh, even while she can have a real political row with them, I think has, has stood stood many of us in good stead. And, uh, and and you you can have relationships
0: across the political divide here, even though sometimes it doesn't look that way. And do do people? I suppose the way you're in an easier position to have friendships with. People across the divide, because you don't come from the same political tradition, as you say, that involved mm. um, balaclavas and guns. Do, do people in the DUP here, Chats people in Sinn Féin, do they go for drinks together? Well,
1: I don't know that there'd be many drinks, but uh, uh, I guess there are, there are absolutely if convers- You have to remember, the DUP and Sinn Féin were in government together for yes. 10 years, and actually the rest of us thought that uh, they were very good at uh, keeping everything to themselves and between <laughs> themselves, not necessarily spreading out... Uh, beyond that so yeah they, I mean I think at times it suits them to have um, difficult relationships uh, publicly uh, you know I don't think they're all going to the pub uh, to be honest and never will be um, largely because DUP have a strong tradition of abstinence but that's uh, and, and some people in Sinn Féin are the same but look so I think it's uh, I mean it, Politics is very important, and it can be life or death, and death, but it's not, you know, but you can still have... I think you should still be able to talk to people, and I suppose here we go through that many long negotiations that you do develop relationships beyond, at least an, a, an ability to speak to people beyond
0: uh, the battle. I know it's a difficult question, and with all the caveats that come, with all the things that could change between now and the 12th of December, but if you were to predict... Any part of the outcome, whether it was a hung parliament with Mm. three SDLP MPs in there or whatever, what what does your instinct tell you about, at this point, what you think a likely outcome might be?
1: I think it's, look, obviously it's very, very difficult. And if you looked at the polls last week, people were saying Boris Johnson was going to run away uh, with the majority. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I just don't. I think we're more likely to be in hung parliament territory than people think. But again... I don't have my finger on the pulse of what's going on in Middle England, and uh, so it's hard to gather. But I think the SNP will do very well. Uh, I think we'll do okay That's small numbers compared to what they're talking about. Uh, I, I think the DUP will lose at least one seat, um, but maybe in another. You know, so overall, though, I, I would be surprised if Boris Johnson got a majority. I, I just
0: think that uh, I think people see through him. So there's the potential, obviously, for, for you to help form a, a future Westminster government in some sort of alliance with the SNP and well, the Lib Dems and Labour, if, should it present itself? Well,
1: we'll never be part of a British government, but, <laughs> but we, would, uh, we, we, we would obviously use our influence and uh, if, that, if that situation uh, ever, ever arose. And so you're, you have to decide who, who the next Prime Minister is. Well, for us, it'll not be Boris Johnson. But beyond that, if our votes were that crucial, we would use them... You know, as we as we went, number one issue for us would be to have a second referendum and uh, try to stop this Brexit chaos. So I, all of that is very very possible. So stopping Brexit is actually a realistic possibility at the minute, and it's down to voters now. I know voters in England will have problems with Jeremy Corbyn and all of that, but the the choice is: I mean, do we continue with this madness or do we stop and maybe look again and? The public have the opportunity, particularly the public in England, have the opportunity to determine where we go with Brexit. And, you know, people can choose again after this election, but, you know, if you want Brexit stopped, then you need to vote for people who are prepared to vote to stop it.
0: Colin, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, there you go, column Eastwood. It'd be fascinating to see what happens to the SDLP in this election campaign, whether they can claw back some of that ground. But just fantastic to talk to him about the specific context of Northern Ireland with so many different political forces, so many different undercurrents there um, to, say, parts of England. It's just fascinating because it's not just Brexit. It's all sorts of other things, uh, and he was absolutely great. So uh, let's see what happens to the STLP in this campaign. Keep your campaign stories coming in, politicalpartypodcast at gmail.com. You can sign up to the mailing list as well, mattford.com slash mailing hyphen list. And the tour, Brexit Pursued by a Bear, which will be, I mean, completely rewritten after last, after next week, rather, um, and last week, uh, but be completely rewritten uh, after next week, starts at the Salford Lowry on the 14th of January, you can get tickets to all these dates on the website mattford.com slash live, and I'm going to crew Leicester, Darlington, Hexham, Bedford, Leeds, York, Alnwick, Alnwick, Alnwick says Daisy, Southend, Cambridge, Brighton, Newcastle, Glasgow, Aberdeen, Chorley, Camberley, Corby, Exeter, Bristol, Gloucester, Maidstone, Nottingham, Sheffield, Stafford, Edinburgh, and perhaps a few more to be uh, added as well. So, what better Christmas gift for the loved one in your life? Um, Right, I'll be back tomorrow. I'll see you then.